Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Pedham here as always. And of course, we're here to talk all things Aston Villa Football Club with a nil-nil draw away at Goodison Park against Everton on this fine Sunday. Unai Emery's first nil-nil draw um, in his Premier League career, both at Arsenal and at Villa. So that's a first for him and it's been a first for us under him as well. So a lot of firsts and a lot of different thoughts that people have on this one. But nonetheless, I am joined by Mr. Tom Nightingale as well. So Tom, I'll pass it to you. How's it going? Yeah, not too bad, you know. It's difficult. Um, it's one of those that I, I'm not sure as a fan base, we really know exactly how to feel about that. Uh, I, you know, I said before the game, I just, I don't think I was alone in having a bit of a, weird ominous feeling about this game it just it never really you know in the lead up to the game it never really felt like a game that I was confident that we were going to go and you know play them off the park and so we've ground out a couple of wins when we haven't necessarily been the dominant team this season I you know that I thought maybe that might happen but I said before the game I was if you know if you offered me a point I'd probably take it from that game and so you get to the end nil nil okay like I, I do think we were the better team we were certainly the more purposeful team with the ball and in an attack um but I'm not too disappointed really with the point especially going into like a two-week break um give us a chance to regroup hopefully we get a bit more of a clean bill of health over the next couple of weeks and just and just kick on from there really yeah, absolutely. Of course, the most noticeable, the most noticeable, sorry, uh, ones missing out today, of course, continued was Para Torres missed the squad completely with his injury continuing, continuing to, uh, nag him. And of course, the most noticeable one as of today is Jacob Ramsey, uh, apparently pulled up a little bit and had a little bit of soreness and tenderness in training. I think it said on the Thursday or something like that. I could be wrong. Um, and they didn't want to risk it from then. So hopefully, like Una Emery said, it's not too bad. He'll have a scan shortly and they'll know more. But hopefully these guys come back very, very soon, at least um, after the little bit of break heading into Chelsea in the fourth round of the FA Cup. But we're here to talk about a nil-nil draw against Everton first. Uh, might not inspire a lot of people to maybe want to listen to this, but if you are, we do appreciate it. And wherever you listen to this, if you're new or if you've been listening continuously, leave a, a five-star review. Or if you're not subscribed and you do listen to this a lot, or like I said, you are new, subscribe too, because it's always appreciated. So Tom, let's let's start with uh, the VAR gripe, of course. Alex Moreno scores. Leon Bailey's deemed offside. It took about uh, 60 years, sarcastically, it took about three and a half minutes or so. I mean, what did you make of it? It, it? Like, it's almost comical at this point, isn't it? In terms of how they use it, how long it takes, just the whole thing. It's a shambles. I mean, like, I don't want to be all like old man yells at cloud, modern football is rubbish, that kind of thing or whatever. But, you know, I didn't even celebrate. Like, you know, you, when, you, when, you, when your left back is smashing one in, into the bottom corner from well, outside the box, wherever it was, you, 
you should, as a football fan, be well within your rights to go nuts and, and celebrate the goal. I just, it's a wider issue, isn't it? That it's the sterilization of football. I just, I, I, I feel like I can't celebrate any or very many at all Villa goals now because my first thought, genuinely, every time Villa score is, is there has something just happened that will allow them to disallow it? Like, how many minutes are we going to have to sit and wait for this VAR review? I mean, I think in the end. I don't know, from the TV pictures I saw, like obviously we're over here in Canada, we've got the Premier League World feed. I don't know what it was like on the UK broadcast, but it did look as though in the end it was offside. Um, you know, once they put the lines up and everything, you can see that it's offside. But it's like, why Why is that taking? I think it was nearly four minutes. Yeah. And it says something when we as the visiting team score the opening goal at Goodison Park after the decision is made, during the VAR delay and after the decision is made, even Everton fans who are hoping this goal is disallowed, even Everton fans are chanting anti-VAR sentiments. Like, when both sets of fans are chanting against, you know, VAR, even though one set of fans, their team benefits from the decision, then you know something's wrong. And it's just, I don't know why it takes so long. I'm in the camp, like generally for VAR, that I think it can be a helpful addition to football if it's utilised properly. It's just, um, ironically, I'm going to use the term, it's clear and obvious to everybody watching it, watching at home that it's not being used well. And so it's just, it creates a really sterile experience for me. It takes away a lot of the joy of being a football fan. It, it's a shame. Um, the wider issue for me isn't actually VAR and that incident from this game. It is the fact that David Coote, the referee from this game, I don't like being an armchair person who sits at home and shouts at the TV and says that somebody is really bad at their job. However, David Coote, on the evidence we've seen this season, is really bad at his job. He was the referee in the Brentford game when he completely lost control of the game towards the end. And we have, you know, we have Bubkar Kamara sent off. Um, obviously, we won that game, so we were kind of able to overlook the griping. But I remember even in, even in the you know in the aftermath of winning that game. We were pretty pissed off. I thought today at Goodison Park, I thought the referee was absolutely awful. I don't know what you thought, Cole, but I just, he had no, from where I was watching, he had absolutely no control over the game at any point. And it showed on a lot of occasions. Dishing out yellow cards, almost at random. Uh, bizarre. And so it's really hard to play the way you want to play and win a game of football in a controlled manner in a game like that that's so stop-start and there's no kind of rhyme or reason to the decision-making. Well, as a as the once great Oprah Winfrey, I'm, just, I'm sure she's still great, but as she once said, you get a card and you get a card. I mean, that's literally what it felt like at one point during this game. Ollie Watkins gets a yellow for jumping. Like, it wasn't yeah, even an like elbow what? to the head. Like, Why is that? Just don't just don't have arms, guys. Well, that's the <laughs> thing. He clearly didn't see it. He sees Tarkovsky fall to the ground and just assumes it's bad. That's what it is. Yeah, like, he's bizarre. He's like he, he's a really re- he strikes me as like a really reactive ref. Yeah, like he booked. I don't understand either. Like you know, even uh, there, it wasn't even just like anti Villa bias. It's that I didn't understand what he was doing. Like he booked he booked James Tarkovsky in the second half. Oh, for the scuffle. Yeah, for the scuffle. But I just I don't I don't understand. Like he flew into that challenge, and then I couldn't work out if he was booking him for the challenge, but he hadn't given a foul, or if he was booking it booking him for something in the aftermath. Um, 
just bizarre. It left honestly. I, I left. I left that game feeling really confused about how to feel because I couldn't make sense of the game because it was such a mess from an officiating point of view. I, I like. I don't. It's kind of ridiculous that we have to put up with this. I yeah. think. I think by and large, referees in the Premier League get a bit of a rough go of it from fans. Like it's very hard to get everything right. But when you've got no, it's the. It's not even about individual decisions. It's the complete lack of control he had over the game. For me, kind of. Ruined the game as a spectacle, made it very difficult for either team to... Okay, Everton you sort of knew what they were doing sometimes, roughing us up and little niggly fouls and breaking up play and that sort of stuff, as they're well within their right to do. I love it when Villa do that to opponents, you know, as a fan, that's great. But you've got to have control over it as a ref, and he just didn't at all. And for me, that kind of made hoping to see Villa at their best a bit of a non-starter, because how do you play through that? Well, exactly. Like, I kind of understood the Tarkovsky yellow from the perspective of the kind of handbags issue after, because he was, it was almost like he was the, the final boss and like Tekken or something. And he's calling like Decore and Onana to come over and defend him. Like, that's kind of what, like, honestly, to start that, I understood maybe from that kind of standpoint to calm things down saying, you're not listening to me. Okay. Fair enough. But there was just a number of mindless decisions or it would be, I think there was one where McGinn was down, but he got back up and then he blew um, for a play to halt instead of play the advantage, which would have sent Villa on another break. That It's just little things that happen so often now in this era of refereeing that didn't happen even a few years ago. And you can tell, I mean, everyone's had this discussion on every football podcast for years now, but it's just, it's not the same. And like, I 100% agree with the goal, like 99% of the time on the 7,500 to Holt Twitter page, uh, go follow that if you wish, um, cheeky little plug. Um, typically I'm doing match coverage and typically I will put out the goal gif and kind of be all happy, go lucky about it. I, I just waited. Because yeah. as soon as as soon as I knew, I, like I'm gonna wait three or four minutes, and then have to put something like Moreno, and it it counts. Like <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like being given a present, and then you're when you're a little kid, your parents plopping it in front of you and saying you have to wait five minutes. And yeah. it's like a new and puppy. And like, I, I get, I guess they got there in the end. Like it was the right decision, you know. But why just ah? Oh, why is it taking so long? It's ridiculous. And then also, like, I thought, to be honest, I won't talk about the referee too much, although to be honest, it's the main talk, it's the main talking point from this game, really. Yeah. Um, I, I thought both teams should have had penalties. I don't know what Villa fans think about like I thought the I thought for a foul on Musa Diaby, we should Villa should have had a penalty. I also thought Everton should have had a penalty for uh Douglas Louise hauling down I can't remember who it was for Everton, but he did it twice. He did it once, once and it kind of got away with it. And then he did it a second time and VAR didn't even really look at it. Um, so for me, it's just like, I know it sounds weird to be advocating that Everton should have had a penalty against Villa. Obviously, you know, I'm glad they didn't. But it it just speaks to the wider lack of consistency and like VAR is being used so poorly. Like you have such a tool there that could, if not enhance the game, then it could at least make the game a bit more objective or you know some sometimes var is useful um like it's very useful for everton today finding that offside which was an offside but it should take 30 seconds you look at it draw the lines done lies offside i just so that the fact that we're we, we've wait now that villa aren't playing every three or four days 
like Villa games feel a bit like a treat again now. Do you know what I mean? We have to wait a full week or whatever, you know. Thank God, um, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> but the fact that we've waited all week for Villa to play, and then we have to come away from the game with the main, main talking point being how crap the refereeing display was and the use of VAR was terrible again. It's just, it's like disheartening, to be honest. It takes the wind out of your sails as a fan. So, um, I don't know, really. I suppose we should talk about the performance. <laughs> yeah, I mean... It's a tricky one, and let's be honest. I mean, Villa haven't been awful and like really all that bad as of late. I mean, considering they're still third in the table, that's very good <laughs> in terms of regular Villa standings. Um, yeah, the last few games haven't been too inspiring. I think it, it's it's fair to say, of course, the FA Cup result. I mean, fair play to Millsborough. There, of course, uh, they have the advantage going in the second leg of the FA Cup semifinals against Chelsea. So it kind of proved that they're actually a decent outfit and weren't where they are. Um, the 3-2 win against Burnley definitely wasn't convincing. We can think of the 3-2 loss against United, the one all draw against Sheffield United. Even you could go as far back as Brentford and say we were probably a little bit fortunate with that one mm. as well. And I think a lot of people, Tom, probably say we're running out of gas a little bit. We need recruitments. But I don't really think that's fair to say. And I don't even know if you can blame it on injuries as well. I think it's – I almost wonder, and let me know what you think. Is it teams maybe figuring us out a little bit? Do you think it's maybe a little bit of everything? Where do you kind of sit with it? It's really interesting because uh, like Emery said after the game today that he was really pleased with Villa's level of control. I can't remember the exact quote, but he said something like it's 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 he thinks it's our most controlled performance away from home this season. Um, and I, I I kind of inclined to agree. I thought the Villa's build up play today at times was really good. I thought Ollie Watkins was excellent, particularly against like centre half like Tarkovsky for Everton, who like let's be honest, he's a mean bastard. And he said it must be annoying as hell to play against. I thought Watkins did a really good job against him. Um, I didn't think Bailey and Diaby had their best games by any stretch, but I thought mid- we had a bit more midfield. You know, we were a bit loose with the passing sometimes. But Bubakar Kamara's return, as we all hoped, was a huge boost for us. I thought we had much more control in midfield than we've had in recent weeks. I actually think this was Villa's. While we still were not great, we were seven out of ten at best. I think today. Um, but I thought it was actually Villa's best performance, certainly since Brentford and maybe even since before Brentford. Like the game before Brentford was uh, the Arsenal win at the end of that sort of week that still see- feels like a dream when we beat City and Arsenal back to back. Realistically, as you alluded to, I don't I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that Villa haven't actually played well since that week when we beat City and Arsenal. I thought today were, there was a, there were a lot of encouraging signs, considering we're still missing Ramsey, still missing Pau Torres, which is huge. Like, Carlos, I don't think, I don't think either Diego Carlos or Clement Longley are bad centre-backs. And I think a lot of teams would be very happy with them as a pairing at centre-back. It's just that we, 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 we'd really started to see what Pau Torres brings to the team. Um, and you've got to be honest, like Pau Torres and Esri Konza in the long, in the complete season, you know, the long-term absence of Mings, Pau Torres and Esri Konza are Villa's best central defensive partnership by an absolute mile. So when neither of those two play at centre-back, you're always going to be up against it a bit. But despite all of, I didn't think they did badly. You know, Calvert-Lewin's out of form. And, you know, on another day, if he's more in form or, you know, if we don't have the best goalkeeper in the world... Certainly, I think the best one v one goalkeeper in the world. Um, then we lose that game on that Calvert Lewin chance when he's sent clean through. 
Um, it's those fine margins. And so that's why I can't be too disappointed with the draw. And I think that I've personally, I don't know about how everybody else feels, but I, I saw enough positive today to be encouraged about the direction that we're going in. Like if this is, if this is our speed bump, if this is our like, you know, bump in the road, what a, what a, what an indication of how far we've come. So we still won, we've still won games during this, in inverted commas, down period. Exactly. Got through in, got through in the cup. Okay. Massive deflection. Take your luck as it comes, you know? Um, if this is our down period, then I think we, we should all re- really be very, very happy with how things are going. And I have a lot of faith in the fact that our schedule is a lot quieter now. You know, we don't play next weekend. Then we come back and it's cup, right? Chelsea. Yeah. And then we play Newcastle a few days later. Um, that's a long time. You know, a month or two months ago. What what's that that I just said? That's like an eighteen day period from now until Newcastle. <laughs> we'd have had five so games. <laughs> we'd, have had, we'd have had five games. Yeah, like we really would have done. And so that's. I don't think that should be overlooked. How much of an effect that can have? Because it's not like that's a rest period where players aren't keep aren't staying sharp and aren't keeping their hand in. That is that is two solid weeks now on the training ground with Unai Emery with no game, and like we know what Unai Emery is like as a manager, how much he sort of like pours over the tiny details from games. Two weeks on the training ground, no game. Um, going to be boring for us as fans, but I think it's only going to be a great thing for this team and for, for uh, going into what's going to then be a very big period of our season in the, in the lead up to the European competition returning, right? Yeah, well, uh, we won't be talking about it today, but we can all complain about the badge for another 18 days. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be no, no shortage of things to talk about. Yeah. So hopefully that does come out. And just as a pre- precipice to everyone listening, if that does get released, hopefully uh, we're hoping at least to do something in regards to content for that. So keep an eye out for that. But back to the game. It is, it, it's is—it's a tough one. And you were saying, and you were correct, and I kind of felt the same way. And so did all the co-hosts that were chatting in the group chat earlier this morning. Tom, I mean, everyone took would take a point. Everton, I mean, I think this is the thing, and this was, was the main thing I mentioned to you pre-recording I wanted to bring up. This isn't 17th place Everton. This is, where let's see here, 12th place Everton. If they didn't have a 10-point deduction, they'd be on 27 points, which would be two above Bournemouth, who are currently in 12th. They're 8-3-10. and 10. That's not a 17th place side. No. By any means, they're very good at home. They are very structured. It's the Sean Dyche side. They are ankle biter FC, um, but they are very, very effective because a lot of players probably have bruised ankles after that one. Yeah. And you can't really blame it. It's, I, I mean, I think a lot of people kind of write off Sean Dyche's meth- mythology of how he plays, but it still works. So yeah. you can't really throw it kind of in the garbage and just dismiss it all willy nilly. They are picking up points. They've had some good results this season. And I think you have to give them their kind of just dues as well. But the one thing I did want to mention, of course, it's not all bad. Like I said, we're third in the table. We're seventh in terms of away form in the table. Um, hopefully players come back over the next uh, couple weeks. Uh, hopefully something happens transfer wise positivity. We'll, we'll get to uh, one I guess loan cancellation that's coming back, what will be happening probably there that we think we'll get to that at the end. But I think there's more, plenty more positives than there ever could be negatives, at least in our eyes. Yeah, I think so as well. Like I, I, The only disappointing thing for me today really about Villa is that I, Everton actually weren't quite as good as I was expecting them to be. They made it difficult for us as I knew we would like a Sean Dyche team, like, 
it's what they're really good at. Like, mm-hmm. it's not a. I don't think anybody these days really means it uh, pejoratively or negatively when they say about a Sean Dyche team that they're 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 nasty bastards to play against. Like, it's not. It's great. It's what you want from your team, isn't it? But I thought they'd be a bit more threatening to us in attack. I have to say. So the only disappointment for me really is that I didn't really ever. I mean. Maybe save for those couple of seconds when Dominic Calvert-Lewin was bearing down one-on-one on goal. But even then, you know, with Emi Martinez in goal, I don't feel certain that the opponent's going to score. Um, but apart from that, literally that one moment, I never felt like we were in danger at all of losing the game today. You know, it would have been hugely unfair on us to lose that game. And I never felt there was any threat of that. So the only disappointing thing then is that you, you can't turn it into the win. Um, but the one thing i the one thing i do think that obviously we everyone who's watching is probably aware what really needs to happen for villa over the coming weeks and what i think you know emery will be working so much on over the training ground over the next you know the two weeks like we said where we don't have a game i don't think it's an unfair narrative to say that we we do need to master how to break down these teams and how to make dominance in possession count because it's still not really our thing, right? We're very good at picking apart open teams. We're very good at being resilient when teams come onto us and attack us and then picking them apart on the counter-attack. We're very good when it's a when it's kind of like a blood and thunder game. There's lots of 50-50s and it's kind of anyone's guess. Even then, I think we come out on top more often than we don't this season. It's these games where you know the onus is going to be on you to break down the opponent. We, we don't have a tried and tested relied upon solution for that this year and i tell you what talking about injuries and stuff like that it really really makes me miss emmy buendia yeah if you have little emmy buendia in a game like that okay he doesn't everything he does doesn't always come off but his chance creation statistics and you know and even the eye test of watching him play and how we look going forward with him in the team he just brings that ability to unpick the lock, right? And we just don't really have that. We have like the pace of Leon Bailey and the pace of Musa Diaby. But when they're not really at the top of their game, like they weren't today, what's the backup plan? You know, controlled possession, you've got to rely on maybe a moment. I don't want to say moment of magic. Who am I, Steven Gerrard? But maybe you rely <laughs> on you rely on something from Douglas Louise or John McGinn, you know. Um, that's when you really miss like a playmaker, I think, like a ball at the feet pick the lock, work in tight spaces kind of playmaker like Emmy Brendier. Um, so that's a shame. But what you do about it, you know, in the absence of a player like that, we're not going to sign a player like that in January. I don't think we need, we're halfway through January already. There's nobody on the market. Like you're not going to be able to sign a player like that this month. I don't think, I think we should put that thought out of our minds. So then what Emery has got to really work on with the players is finding that solution because we now have to face up to the fact that the Villa of 2023-2024 are a team that opponents are going to try to lock down, right? We're not used to being in that position until this year because we've never been that good. Now we are. And so that's that's the next step of our progress and our development this season, I think, is working out how to how to manage those situations and how to find the answer. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. 
Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah, and I do agree, because I felt like for the first 10, 15 games of this league season, maybe a lot of teams, I don't know if it's fair to say we're giving us credit, but I feel like they still thought they could get at us. But now they know that this is almost a real thing with this Villa side. And you are right. They're playing very differently than they did in the first half of the season. And I feel like, I mean, Unai Emery knows that. And that's probably why he's saying it's the most controlled result. Because I feel like he knows deep down that this run in for the rest of the season is going to be the most difficult. Because, of course, you have battered and tired and injured bodies from the rest of the season previously. Teams figuring you out, of course. But just trying to tweak kind of the mindset, the game plan a little bit to, I I feel like we're just going to, and this isn't a forecast to say I'm Nostradamus, I know what's going to happen, but I feel like we're going to have a lot tighter results for the majority of the rest of the season. A lot maybe more 1-0s or 2-1s rather than a 6-1 or a 5-2. There might still be that kind of sprinkled in there. But it's going to be a lot, lot tighter. And of course, the closer you get to the end of the season, when you're playing teams kind of below you, especially in the relegation zone, they're much more desperate. Maybe that's when you can effectively go at them and punish them for that. But majority of these teams were going to have to play slightly differently. And I think he has to acknowledge that and has acknowledged yeah. that for the most part, but people expect it to be completely different. No high back line, no this and that it's going to be completely different. I mean, that's not Unai Emery and that's like no coach who's actually a good coach. Let's be honest. Yeah. And I think a big thing to remember to keep in, co- like keep in context is that, you know, we've talked about now like two weeks without a Villa game that doesn't happen again now until uh late march i think right there's an international break yes, late late so. march time yeah. so this is the only time in the next two and a bit months where we're really going to have the time to sit down and really work things out without you know the uh, without another fixture looming you know very close on the horizon so i think you've got a there's no reason to not have faith in emery and his staff to solve these problems like breaking opponents down and dealing with the injuries or whatever. I think we're, we're in a good period now where we can, the staff and the players can really get their head down and try and work on these solutions. Cause then when we get to March, I've forgotten the, the, the last 16 of the com- the conference league is like early March, I think. Right. Or is it like I, late February? I think so. Me and Seb were talking about this and trying to figure this out. I think the um, round of, is it the third round of 32 is in February and then the round of 16 is in March. I yeah, that's, that March. sounds right. I yeah. think so. We're, so, so the thing, you know, talking about being able to sit down and work on stuff and have a bit of peace and quiet to really iron out the kinks. Uh, okay. There's an international break at the end of March. I would argue you're not really going to have time to do that again now 
until the end of the season. Once we get to the Chelsea Cup game and the Newcastle game in the last week of this month, um, it's going to be pretty pretty full on, you know, for the rest of the season. And particularly because all eyes are going to have to be on March when Europe comes back. We're going to have some serious decisions to make about priorities when we get there. I know I'm jumping ahead, but we really are. Because I think one thing we've seen is that we talked about the performances earlier. I think the last month or so, we've been feeling the effects of how busy we were before this month. Um, And so if we're still feeling the effects of how busy we were before this month, March until May is in many ways going to be a bit of a shit show, (laughs) I think. And because there's going to be games all the time. And so we're really going to have to make decisions about what to prioritize. Now is the last chance we have to like sit down, iron out the kinks, try and work out that that set what what we'll call that secondary way of playing. Because we all know that our favorite way of playing is sort of controlled possession, but playing through opponents as 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 often as we can. Um, as we've seen the last few weeks, that's not always an option. So the big question now is what's next, right? Well, yeah, it's tricky because, I mean, like like you said there, Tom, not to look too far ahead, but you almost have to because when you yeah. get to the round of 16 where our Villa, are we still top four, then what's the real priority? So, like, that's what's going to happen here in the next couple of months. For, I mean, I guess you can really almost discount January because there's only one more game in January, which feels very weird. Um, but basically February and part of March is going to be the tell-all tale of you would think what Villa are going to focus on. Are they still in the FA Cup at that point of view? Are they, how deep are they in the conference league in terms of the knockout rounds? Where are they in the Premier League? I mean, if we're all doing very, very well in all of them, well, we'd be very happy, but maintaining that is probably a little bit foolish. Um, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a great position to be in. I'm not, and then yeah. we, to reiterate, very happy with where Villa are at this season, but it's just this is this is the conversation, isn't it? Like Emery, Unai Emery thinks like an elite manager, and so when you're wanting to lift a team up from, let's face it, we're the surprise package. I know that some Villa fans might not like that phrase because it's been a sustained transformation over more than a year now under Emery. But like in the story of the Premier League this season, we are the surprise package. So it's then how do you take that step from being the sort of cocky upstart team who's like crashing the party how would you take that step from that to actually going the distance and fulfilling your objectives which realistically i think our objectives this season given the position that we found ourselves in the objective now really probably has to be top four in the league and a deep run in at least one of the two cup competitions we're in. Like, I'm not saying I necessarily expect Villa to get top four, but given the position that we're in, it has to be the aim. So how do you take that step from almost being surprised at the position you find yourself in to saying, no, hang on, like we deserve this. We're going to stick around. Yeah, no, exactly. I personally, I feel like a top five spot would be brilliant considering how close Arsenal or Spurs are. Um, I mean, West Ham's still, what, I think nine points behind us and six. So there's a little bit of breathing room there. So, I mean, if you're in the top five, you're being competitive in the FA Cup and in the Conference League. 
Um, it'd be nice to win one. I, to be honest, I don't really care where the hell we finish in the league if we win something, to be honest. I just want to see something be won aside from promotion. Um, but all in all, we will have to wait and see. But before we do close this one out, because um, just to let you guys know an inner secret, we aim for half an hour, and I don't think it is a half an hour, but <laughs> that's, that is that uh, is the Holt cast at its very finest. We did have some news earlier that King Kessler Hayden's uh, loan move for the season at Plymouth Argyle, Argyle sorry, of the championship has been cut short as Villa have recalled him. Now, Tom, this is only speculation, but some Villa fans seem to think that means he'll be Matty Cash's backup, which to me doesn't make any sense because Cons has been the right back <laughs> primarily. So I think that one throws it out the window. I'm assuming this is probably Villa looking for a sale or have something lined up balances out a little bit more in the FFP potentially with a buyback. I mean, where do you see it? That Cause that's how I see it personally. Yeah. That's why I'd have thought as well, especially given Emery's comments this week about, I can't, I, you know, I, I can't remember if he explicitly said that Villa need, need to sell before we buy, but even though Villa haven't spent an absolutely ridiculous amount of money, FFP looms over everything, man. Like the need to balance the books looms over everything. Um, I what I am fully expecting from the Kane Kessler Hayden loan recall is one of those Cameron Archer, Jaden Philogene deals, where you sell them for what will be healthy profit, right? Because they're sort of home homemade players. Um, sell them on for a bit of profit, ease ease that, balance the books a little bit. Stick, you know, if we can stick the sell on or buy back clause in there, then great. But I mean, you can't. I remember having this conversation from like even Carney Chukwamaker. And then again, Cameron Archer, Jaden Philogene. Like you cannot keep every in today's football with FFP and stuff. I know Chelsea used to do it, what, 10, 50, 10 years ago or whatever, stockpiling people. City still do it to an extent. But like you can't keep every young talent just because they are a talented kid and you hope they might break through. Like at some point you have to make decisions. Um so I expect he will be sold to free up a little bit of financial leeway for us. Um, what that means for the rest of the month, I don't know. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't um, dare to try to guess what Unai Emery and his, his staff and, um, and, and Monchi and everyone are, are, are cooking up. Um, most signings Villa make now, I feel like come out of left field. You maybe get a whiff of them a day or two before you know it's confirmed that this is that, that a deal is happening or that talks are you know it's not like the villa of old where you had all this kind of speculation and that sort of stuff so i wouldn't dare sort of suggest what i think is going to happen for the rest of the month just like everything really whatever does happen i have i really do i have faith in certainly the football i know there's a lot of talk around this club at the moment about the non-footballing side of things the new badge the stadium um, there's lots of talk about that sort of stuff. That, and I understand that from a foot, purely footballing perspective, I still maintain that since Unai Emery took over, I have not really been given any good reason whatsoever to doubt what this club does. You know, in terms of on the pitch result, that's still my stance. You know, I've seen nothing this season that in any way concerns me or gives me doubts. How can you have doubts? Look at where we're at. Do you know what I mean? Like exactly. every, every so often I hear myself talk and I, and I'm like, I realize that if I'd have heard 
the stuff that we as Villa fans are talking about. If so, if you'd have told me this even 12 months ago, but certainly 18 months ago or longer, I'd have thought you were crazy. Like, the, the, I don't think we should lose sight of how ridiculous it is that the progress we've made in a short period of time. Like we say, it is just about how working out how to maintain the level we're at this year and sustain it, you know, over a long period of time. That's that's the next that's the next task that this club faces, I think. Well, absolutely. And just for to the to note more on the Kessler Hayden recall, um, I think he's only made about fifteen appearances overall for Plymouth. Um, based on what I could see online with their fan base in terms of when it was announced. A lot of them actually seemed okay with it. They seemed to all kind of have the general consensus that he started really strong at the start of the season and it's kind of faded off and it hasn't worked out. And I, I hate to say this, but I feel like that's been his kind of luck or kind of the way it's gone. I, I guess you could say for every loan almost he's had since Villev let him go. And maybe that's just a sign that he's never going to be what we expect. And to the to the Villa fans that expect him be to be Villa's backup right back, I, I think that's still kind of a hope and a prayer, and it's unrealistic. Unfortunately, I don't think he's going to make it to this level, especially with Villa. Um, Plymouth must hate us because <laughs> we recalled Pinnas yeah. and sold in the Middlesbrough as well. Um, and I just saw they lost another vital uh, loney, I think, to injury. So he <laughs> we basically just wiped out their their midfield and a right back. Um, but. Uh, yeah, apologies to that, Plymouth fans, if you are somehow listening to this. But you know what? I, I do like these little moves, and I know some v- Villa fans can sit back and be a little concerned that we're selling, I guess, the chicken coop, per se, in terms of mm-hmm. uh, youth prospects. But, I mean, Chelsea do it. Everyone else does it. So why can't we? Why is it looked down upon? This is how you stay uh, financially solvent. That's and it. Move yeah. on. So, <laughs> like, I, I, I hate to say it, and maybe this sounds arrogant, but I feel like we kind of need to grow up as a fan base and realize that this is a business. And as much as we think it, and it can be a community, but you also have to run it financially, like successfully. (laughs) So as much as you want season ticket prices to be lower, and that's a different conversation and this, that, and the other, nothing's free and never will be. Um, They do have to make their money and selling young players that unfortunately probably will never make it into the first team is part of that. I mean, Carney Chokameka could be the next thing and like, two, three, four years. But yeah. as of right now, selling them for 20 million pounds looks brilliant. So and that's the thing. Like I haven't seen anything like I've seen a fair bit of Chelsea's games and stuff. Like obviously get every, we get every Premier League game over here in Canada. So it's easy to watch it. Like I haven't seen anything from Carney Chukwameka for Chelsea. That's made me regret the fact that Villa have sold him for like 20 million quid. And also the fact that we sold him and, you know, look where we are now. Like the two things aren't, aren't directly related but as you've alluded to, like selling young players, like player turnover, developing players and selling them on for profit is a key ingredient in sustained growth for a football club in today's in today's day and age. Just the way that Villa expanding our global network by bringing, bringing clubs from abroad under the V-Sport, you know, the, 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 um, the ownership umbrella. That's also, that's a tried and tested path to being to growing as a brand and as a football club. And people don't like the word brand and the word business being associated with football clubs, but, you know, open your eyes. Welcome to the 21st century. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's just a key ingredient. So, you know, yeah. if, if, if they if they have deemed that Kane Kessler-Hayden, the right thing to do with him is to sell him on 
then who are we to say that it's not the right thing to do you know well ex- exactly and I, honestly i don't mind it because i've been hurt too many times in the past by villa just losing these um young up-and-comers or just kind of knowing that they never have a future and we don't do anything with them so we're doing something with them we're making money um and it's about damn time villa did what everyone else did so well exactly um, i'm all for it and there's really no argument and to be personal with everybody, I'm not trying to be arrogant. What I, I said there is saying we need to grow up as a fan base, but I mean, you have to have some realism at the end of the day. Or... Yeah, it's just a mentality shift as well. Like yeah. Villa, like as much as, you know, Villa's a big club, mate, you know, it's become like a meme within our fan base. And like, we know that history wise and prestige and name value, we're a big club. Being realistic, fact of the matter is we haven't we haven't been an actual big club in any practical sense. Yeah, we don't act like it, or we didn't. Years, like minimum, absolute minimum, like fifteen years. Yeah, since we've been by anyone stretch of the imagination, like a big club in terms of the actual practicalities of it. And so it's understandable that, like, as a fan base, we maybe have trouble wrapping our head around these wider issues of how the club acts and that sort of stuff. I'm not saying that every single thing the club does is right. I would never dare to suggest that. But you've got to be realistic about some things, I think. And selling talented young players is definitely one of them. Absolutely. Well, Tom, I think that's a good place to wrap this one up. Like I said, we aim for half an hour. I, I It says an hour on my screen, but we did chat before and stuff. So maybe we're closer to that half an hour. Than it's like it's like half an hour in the way that Premier League halves of football are 45 minutes now. <laughs> uh, it's like yeah, 50, we, we add on eight 60. minutes of extra time on each yeah. half. but anyways thank you very much to tom for joining me find him on twitter slash x whatever you want to call it tomorrow of course you hear this on the monday at td nightingale find me on there at talk aston villa tweet the team at 7500 holton of course if if you have anything you want to email us to to read out uh, anything content wise for the podcast it's holtcast at gmail.com we'll leave things there uh, just to kind of preface again if anything comes out in regards to the badge maybe we'll put something out hopefully we will if anything comes out hopefully that's free chelsea we'll do that as well but i think we'll leave it there and don't forget the villain When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.